Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we aim to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays, and here with me is Jay Jones. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing today? Good. Yeah? Yeah. Doing pretty good. Yep. Got any funny stories for us today, Jay? Uh, no, I know. Oh, that's a shame. Oh, yeah. No skunk that's stories or anything shame. like that. That's a real shame. Yeah. Put me on the spot. I probably I probably could have thought of some good Evangeline stories, but oh yeah, can't think of any right now. Okay, top of my all head. right. Yeah, <laughs> well, I thought I'd ask. Yeah. Well, uh, it is Monday for us. Yeah. Had a good weekend. Uh huh. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Do anything yeah. interesting? No. No, which is good, which is good because we usually always have something going on. Yeah. Some type of kids event or something Mm -hmm. on Saturday. Mm -hmm. So we didn't do anything. We just sat around all day Saturday, which is very rare. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. It was a nice day. Yeah. Unlike today. Yeah. Which uh, is very blustery. Yeah. Winter has come. Got here. 40 mile an hour winds. And cold. Those that don't live in Oklahoma. It's cold. They just don't know about wind. Yeah. Sustained 40 mile an hour winds. Yeah. So I got here. Yeah. I got here this morning and the trash, the trash had blown over and there was trash in the road. So I had to go over and pick it up. I didn't think it was a good look for the church to, yeah. to, to have our trash in the middle of the road while people were driving by. So I went over and was picking it up and the wind was blowing and uh, my hat blew off my head and I had to go chase it. <laughs> over in the park and uh, it was uh sanctification i guess so you you came to the church and you found some trash mm-hmm. you didn't find six hundred thousand dollars i did not find <laughs> i did not find a huge pile of cash in the in the bathroom wall <laughs> what a crazy story if, if there, for those that don't know they found a uh a pile of cash in, in, Joel, <laughs> in joel osteen's church yeah okay so seven years ago this this was a big story. Did you not hear about this story? I didn't even hear about seven, it. Uh, it was it was seven years ago. They reported that they lost, I think, like seven hundred thousand mm. dollars. Now that <laughs> that alone should boggle the mind. And they never they never recovered it. And uh, then what? This past week, the plumber was <laughs> doing some work in the bathroom, and it was stashed. In a hole in the wall. Doing a little in this, in this it, bathroom. He's doing a little remodel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't. I, he, I'm, hey, ho- how I'm much, hoping more comes out. I'm hoping much that did we he get find? more. Six hundred thousand. They found something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But they lost seven hundred. So I'm. <laughs> the plumber got a little payday. So I'm. I'm hoping. I'm hoping more comes out. The story. There's got to be more. I. I have to know. I have to know what happened here. Yeah. This had to be an inside job. Oh, for sure. Right. It wouldn't this be I mean this would be movie worthy. Yeah, this be this If would, this was if this was like um Joel Osteen's golden parachute. Yeah. In case in case anything ever happened. Yeah. And he had to uh to get out. Yeah. Flee the country. And he'd stash some money in the wall. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be wild? Yeah. Wouldn't this be wild if this was the way that uh, that Lakewood got taken down? It would be. It'll come out. Yeah. Uh, people people can't keep that. Unless it was like one person that mm-hmm. did this, 
And this is the explanation. Joel Osteen with a duffel bag <laughs> full of well, cash. Like, no, like it's just some guy like uh-huh. that you would never expect. You know? Yeah. He does it, yeah. right? And he plans to go get it and run away yeah. with it. He'll get off scot-free. But he dies. <laughs> like, and the money just gets lost in the in the wall forever. Yeah. Till somebody finds it. <laughs> Could be what happened. Yeah. I'm I'm waiting for more of the story. I'm I'm hoping that they, I'm hoping more comes. I'm out. sure there's an investigation. <laughs> It'd be so interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's quite the way to meet budget, though. Mm. Just find hundreds of thousands of dollars in the in the wall. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is has, uh, has anyone done a uh, has anyone made their rounds here uh, today to make sure no one's no one's gone snooping. There's no telling what's in the walls of this old church. You know what? When uh, when we had that flood back in 2016, um, it we had to have the walls replaced. You did, and there was like the world's oldest Dr Pepper can in there. <laughs> <laughs> I think they found a. I think they found like a broom. Really? I guess the people that <laughs> this place. What am I going to do with this broom? I'll just stick it on the wall. Cheat rock over it. <laughs> yeah. Good spot for it, yeah. Yeah, who knows? Mm. Well, the I guess a lot of the um a lot of the the building was done in-house. Yeah. They didn't want to they didn't want to pay for, you know, an outside contractor to come in and do it. So there was somebody here that could do it, but he cut corners. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it was very obvious. Mhm. No, no sack of money though. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, this is the will be the last uh, episode for the month. Yeah, we're gonna take a for the year. Yeah, for the year. Yeah, the whole month of December. Yeah, we'll take a little sabbatical. Okay. If you're wondering why, it's because we've been at this uh, nonstop since the beginning of COVID. Church, everything shut down. Remember that. We've been going. We've been yeah. Everything shut down. We were going hard. Two we were weeks going hard with the, the podcast. Yeah, through through COVID. Yeah, even yeah. when you had COVID. Yeah, we were we were doing the podcast. Yeah, we recorded from home. Right, you here, and then we like called in. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, we were doing three episodes a week at one time. <laughs> you know, looking back, we had these grandiose plans. We were going to do three a week, and one of them was going to be Theology Thursday, and that, yeah. <laughs> that didn't last very long. <laughs> yeah, it was too much content. It yeah, really we was. had yeah we had people telling us we can't keep up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were putting out over three hours a yeah. week of content. Yeah, which is a lot. So we scaled it back to two episodes, and that's worked pretty well. Yeah. So we're just taking a little break. There's been some interesting stuff going on though that would have made some good free for alls. Would have. I've been yeah. a little disappointed then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've had some good stuff. Yeah. We need some of the we need some of the uh shenanigans to to go on hold for December. Oh, so yeah, we... yeah. there's no chance it will. <laughs> there's no chance. So we'll just have to record some of them. Uh and they'll be not hot off the press. Right. But they're still they're still relevant. You know, the things to talk about. Yeah. All right. So, so <laughs> let's go ahead let's go ahead with uh with our text driven tuesday you finished up the the gospel of john 
Yep. Congratulations. We should have had a plaque or something (laughs) made for you. Yeah. Uh, We could have had a plaque uh, put in the wall. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We should do that every time we finish a a book. Yeah. We could put a plaque of the book in the wall. Okay. Not of us. Yeah. There's plaques. That wouldn't, that wouldn't fit with the decor of this, of this old building. We got to have a plaque with your face, (laughs) (laughs) your face on it. These plaques are kind of, they're kind of odd and strange looking. Did I, did I ever tell you? So there's, there's two, there's two plaques with people's faces, Uh but did I ever tell you that they wanted to, to do a lot more? Uh -uh. This, this whole hallway out here. They wanted to line it with uh, with plaques. Oh my! Of of people. Can you imagine walking down? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it's enough as is. I always want to kind of hang something over those plaques. Yeah, yeah. What What do you think? What's a good way to honor people? So we've got one out here. Um, we affectionately call it the female Joel Osteen. Yeah, plaque. But it was the lady who originally donated the land. Uh-huh. So that's, I mean, that's good, right? I mean, that's, I mean, that's very generous, right? Um, donated a big, a big chunk of land for the the church to be built on, uh-huh. uh, and then we have one over here at the the office doors of right. the man who uh, donated the for steeple. the steeple, right? So that one's maybe not as. <laughs> <laughs> Not as important, but what what do you? How do you think that uh, someone should be honored who does something that is extraordinarily generous? Uh, just say th- thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't care. They're dead, and they don't care. Yeah. Um, if they did care, they've got some heart issues. I think. Okay. And uh, do you want to forfeit your rewards? Yeah, because you're honored by everybody. Well, I mean, you've got uh, you got Barnabas. He's he's mentioned in in Acts chapter five mm. that he donated a field. Yeah, like he's inscripturated, right? Right. Yeah, the plaque is just uh what's your face on it is. <laughs> you don't like weird, that, huh? No, it's odd. Yeah, just seems that. I I mean I could be wrong, but it just seems uh it seems seems weird to me. Yeah, I, I made this funny joke. I, it wasn't appreciated by the leadership leadership of my school. So sorry, Doctor Allen. I made this joke. While I was preaching in chapel, but couldn't resist, my friend, because you know how seminaries have this great uh, affinity for naming buildings after people and <laughs> yeah, people that donate money like to finish chapel or whatever. So sometime in my sermon, I'm talking about stuff like. And I make this joke about how we seem to go beyond what maybe Scripture allows and how we honor are honoring people and uh-huh. stuff. And I said, the person that needs honored is whoever got the idea to bring that Starbucks. Uh, there's like a free. There was like a free Starbucks coffee station. Uh-huh. I said, whoever came up with that idea needs to be given a plaque because they've done more for the graduates of the school <laughs> than anybody that gave money for a building. <laughs> <laughs> of course, everybody laughed, yeah, hysterically because yeah. they know it's true. Like seminary, you know, you're like dead uh-huh. half the time, <laughs> right? Uh, like you're drinking pots of coffee so mm. you can graduate. Yeah, so it's totally true. Whoever came up with that idea, George, <laughs> they should have been honored with a plaque, at least a plaque. Yeah, I think a lot of my health problems came out of seminary, drinking so much soda. Mm-hmm. 
trying to stay awake? Yeah, I was I was at near I was at least at least one pot a day. Yeah. And you could probably throw an energy drink in there somewhere mm-hmm. in the day too. Not not healthy. Yeah. But you know how it is. I mean, from the time you wake up, you're like maybe studying studying your Greek cards, mm. memorizing your vocabulary. You're doing something. Yeah. Like all the time. Yeah. yeah I mean, I was working overnights <laughs> trying to do stuff at my on my lunch break. Yeah. Yeah. Before I went to class at eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. Not fun. No. So this is a, this is a rabbit trail, but this is a lot, our last one. So. I don't care. <laughs> so the so the script so so Paul tells tells Timothy that the one that we should honor honor elders, especially those who uh what double double honor, right. especially those who preach and teach. Yeah. So what what do you think that looks like to uh to honor I mean it's it's in the scripture, but it's also we know that we're talking about ourselves also, but what, I mean, what does that look like to, to double honor somebody who preaches and teaches? It's not, it's not putting your face on a plaque. What do you think that Paul had in mind with that? Uh, I think um, maybe contextually is he not having talking about like paying them for what they, for their work? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Could and, be. And giving them, um, like, the, maybe the respect that you would give, like, th- shift gears, right? And think about the respect that, like, karate people give to, like, their master, <laughs> like, their sensei. You know what I'm saying? Like, so you're a, saying you're saying you want people to bow to you when no, you walk down no. the hall. I'm not saying don't that don't want to put don't want to put your face on the wall, but. If you want to bow down, yeah. No. I'm not saying I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying like maybe maybe there's that like. I, and I don't, maybe I don't take honor well, so I don't, I remember like this one person, uh, it really freaked me out. It, she was like, you're Jay Jones? It was when we did this conference thing. She's like, I was like, yes, hi. She's like, the Jay Jones? <laughs> the Jay Jones. And I was like, uh, <laughs> Angie. Yeah. Angie, come here. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I, she didn't mean anything by it. I right. guess she had just listened to a bunch of our sermons and stuff. Yeah. She's from some town out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So maybe don't have like a... Anytime someone tells me that they've been listening to the podcast, I, I always ask them how they feel uh, to meet a celebrity. <laughs> 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 Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. The honoring thing, I think we clearly, clearly well, do I, honor you know, I've been I've been preaching on a consistent basis for six years mm. and I've just now gotten to where I, I think that I've I've found like a comfortable spot for me to respond to people when they say I really enjoyed that sermon. Okay. <laughs> you know? I mean what do you what do you say to that? You just say thank you, right? Right. <laughs> it's but it it can be a little weird at first. You want to make it real weird? Sure. Just say why? <laughs> what? I dare you. Which which one of my Do which it. one of my points was <laughs> most meaningful to you? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. We took well, a long enough, sidebar. Enough sidebars, George. I don't know. I don't know how to do honoring with people. Yeah. Uh, I just think that it's weird to put a face in there. Yeah. Like uh, in the wall. Like I, I don't know. What do you, What do you think about churches that uh, have? Um, Pictures of former pastors up on the wall. Have you ever been to a church where they've done that? 
No, but I can now I cannot resist from telling this story. <laughs> we'll get to the We're text get eventually. <laughs> this, all right, this you're you're getting extra stuff because you know no more episodes in December. All right, this your this is your early Christmas present. Yeah. Okay. So Steve Lawson uh, in class he tells he tells us about his experience when he's down at a, uh, what's that big Baptist church that fired him? Big famous Bap- Southern Baptist church. What is the name of it? Oh goodness, I cannot think of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't it's a, it's a, it was one of the most influential, biggest churches in the SBC, uh, and they and they and they fired him. Mm-hmm. So this church is so influential. The news was there right the day he got fired. Well, he he stood up and he publicly resigned, and he was fired over uh, preaching reformed, the doctrines of grace. Yeah. And uh, which that which which is crazy because they also fired Jerry Vines. This church is just unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Jerry Vines is the opposite of Steve Lawson. So he leaves. He stop. He has his son stop the vehicle. He turns around. He and he hits his his shoes together, shakes the dust <laughs> off, and then they're cro- I guess they're crossing some like river, and I think he threw his shoes in it. Oh really? <laughs> <clears throat> but that's not the story. Okay, this church fires him, but this church has like a bronze statue. Of every pastor they've ever oh, had wow. in the in, in the entryway, okay, like you know they've got a big wow. gathering space, yeah, and they they've got these you know maybe like foot and a half tall of you preaching, wow, in bronze. So that's wild. Yeah, this is, I've this never is seen good. anything like this that. Is, this is good. This is how you win your father-in-law over. So his future son-in-law, right? So they're in, he's engaged to his daughter. They're driving by the church, and mm-hmm. he goes, "Stop the car." Dude, dude run, runs in the church. Yeah, takes Steve's Lawson statue out <laughs> and delivers it to his future father-in-law. What do you think of that? Yeah, they technically technically he broke one of the commandments, right? But they did fire him on a pretty shady. Yeah, it was pretty shady dealings. Right. Wow. Yeah. How would you like to have a little statue of yourself? I don't know about that, Jay. <laughs> All right. That, let, that. <laughs> Shall we jump into the Bible now? <laughs> I had to tell that story. That's quadruple honoring those who preach and teach, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. I've never seen anything like that. I've I've only seen um, you know halls with the the <laughs> the picture of former right. pastors. You know, uh, John John Calvin had uh, made sure that they did a secret burial with him. Yeah, yeah unmarked so, grave, right? So no one could know where he was buried. Right. Yeah. Mm. That's pretty good. Yeah. No All grave right. sucking John Calvin. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I guess not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do you want to get into John 21? Why don't we? Okay. <laughs> 20 minutes into this program. Yeah. Oh. All right, here we go. All right, John twenty-one. You finished the book. How many did you do? How many? How many did you do in this in this block? Was it six? I don't know. Was it five? I don't know. Five? Or, yeah, five, five or six. I don't know. You got me. You let me down, Jay. Yeah, I was really hoping for seven. <laughs> yeah, no, it could have been. It could have been. Yeah, a bunch more, but I I divided it up like this so. To try to get it all at one, yeah. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a hundred and three total. All right, sermons. That's good. 
Yep. You started back in 2016. Is that right? Yep. So you did Philippians and then you did John. Is that is that what you did? I did. Uh, so we started that replanted that church. I did what is the gospel? Okay. Maybe like four, five sermons. Can't remember. The, that's funny. Uh, that's that's how I started my uh, time at Northwest. Okay. What is the gospel? Good. Yep. Awesome. That's a good way to start when you come to a church. Then we did. I think the solas, maybe okay. five solas, and then Philippians. Okay. Yep. And then jumped into John April twenty fourth. 2006. 16. You 16. Mean. Yeah. yeah. Good night. <laughs> yeah. That would have been crazy. Yeah. 2016. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, 25 verses. This is, uh, you want to kind of remind us of the structure of the book and what's going on here? Because you've got the resurrection. That's that's kind of how the, um, right. the rest of the Gospels, they end. Uh-huh. So Matthew goes from the resurrection to the Great Commission. Uh, Mark, Mark doesn't even have, I mean, if you take the shorter ending, um, he doesn't, he's got the empty tomb, but he doesn't even have the resurrection, not not like the way that the other gospels do. Mm -hmm. Uh, Luke, he goes from the resurrection to the appearances to the ascension. John, he's got more of an extended period after Jesus's Mm -hmm. resurrection. Um, So what, what's going on here? So there's uh, John's gospel is broken down. It's got uh, something different on the front end too. Mm-hmm. So there's the prologue. They call it, it's called the prologue of John's gospel, and it runs from one to uh, the second time John the Baptist is mentioned. I'll, I'll tell you the exact text. Um, it's like halfway through John one, uh, one through verse eighteen. And that is not narrative. It's just it's a the, they're theological statements. Right. In the beginning was the word. Uh, the word was with God. The word was God. So all the theology of John's gospel is there in that prologue section. Uh, Jesus as eternally God, um, God becoming flesh, dwelling among us. Um, him coming to his own people. His people rejecting him. But whoever does receive him, we see that they're born again, not of the will of man or the will of the flesh, but they're born of God. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> they have eternal life. Um, we see that he's greater than Moses, and that theme's introduced, and that he reveals God, right? exactly who God is. All those themes in the prologue. Then the narrative starts with John the Baptist baptizing there. Um, and that section... 1 through 12 is called the Book of Signs. So you have Jesus doing a sign miracle. He's done more miracles than this, but he hand-selected these. He does a sign miracle. There's some type of commentary and stuff around this sign miracle and Jesus' interaction with people. That repeats all the way through the end of 12. Then 13 is the very end. It's the last few days of his life. It's Jesus' private ministry to his disciples called the Book of Glory, him preparing them for ministry after he leaves. Crucifixion's coming. And that includes all of the, his dialogue with them in the upper room. They're in the garden before he's arrested, the arrest, all of that crucifixion, him being put in the tomb, then ultimately his resurrection. That ends in chapter 20. Then you have this epilogue section, chapter 21. And it kind of balances the book, but it also wraps up one big thing that's not been dealt with yet, and I don't think in great detail by anyone else, that's Peter. Mm-hmm. Peter 
and what happens with him. Yeah. Because he's fallen from being a disciple, pretty much. Yeah. He's... So that that hasn't been dealt with yet, and it also, as as we'll see, <clears throat> I think it's like uh, John is giving, I think Jesus is giving the disciples just some really practical lessons, like just life lessons, like how do you live now after Jesus, after I leave and I'm gone, how are you going to live? Mm-hmm. And you live by these lessons. Yeah. Okay. So it's very practical uh, to end on this. Yeah. Um, so hopefully that was the case for those that were. Listening. So, okay. So that's what we see. Three three final lessons from Jesus on how to live as a disciple. All right. Well, let's uh, let's read the passage. And then Will we'll you read it for you, me? You want me to read I do. it? I think it's better. You're better for the program when you're reading. And my is voice that, doesn't feel that great. Is so. that your? Is that how you double honor me? I double double honoring you by giving you more to read. Yeah. Okay. All right, well, let's, uh, let's look at John chapter 21. We'll read um, all 25 verses. It says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, Follow me. 
Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things, and we know that his testimony is true. Now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Thank you. I love how very that, good. I, I love how the gospel ends. I love yeah. the, I love that verse. Mm-hmm. That's such a great verse. Yeah, it is. All right, so uh, very practical. Um, how to live as a disciple, mm-hmm. and we see three ways in which a Christian is to live um, from this text. Yeah. Yep. Right. So there are three three final lessons for living. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, we've got um, we've got this story of them going to Galilee. They are going fishing, and uh, Jesus appears to them. Yep. All right. And so uh, we've got these three lessons. What, yep. What's the first one? So yeah, the first lesson is you, it's, these are all very simple lessons. They're not, yeah. These aren't mind like blowingly like. <laughs> Yeah. Very simple. You okay. must rely on Jesus. That's All right. A, that's the point. That's the main point of this first section, verses 1 through 14. Okay. So Peter, they're sitting around waiting. Uh, this is after the the last time he's appeared, which was eight days after, and sometime between that and when he commissions them and he ascends. They're waiting at the Sea of Galilee. That's what they're supposed to be doing. Um, they know that Jesus has told them that before after he is raised from the dead, he will go before them to Galilee in Mark. Um, and so that's what they're doing. And Peter's like, I'm going fishing. So logical thing to do, I think. I mean, they they still need to eat and stuff. Right. And I, people, I think, make... People, I think, try to paint the picture that Peter's going back to his old life. I don't know that there's any cue that we have that that's what he's doing okay but they still have to eat right they know how to fish they're professional fishermen maybe they just like fishing guys like to fish yeah so he's like i'm going fishing and the rest of the guys are like all right we'll go with you okay peter's the he's the leader that's what he does other people they follow him so they get in the boat they fish the entire night and they don't catch anything as the sun is about to come up Right in that dark period of time, someone appears on the seashore, and they don't know who it is yet. It's Jesus, but they don't know who it is. And he asks, "Have you caught anything?" And they say, "No, we haven't caught anything." Okay, we'll try the other side. You know, like maybe some fishermen would tell you, "Hey, we can give the other side a shot." <laughs> They're like, "Yeah, why not?" You know, they've been at it all night long, yeah. so they throw the the nets on the right side, <clears throat> and when they do, they catch more fish than they can pull into the boat. That cues in John, who's the disciple of Jesus' love, he says to Peter, it is the Lord. So that triggers something in his memory. Yeah. And 
that way he knows it's Jesus. Peter's like, it's Jesus. So he puts on his clothes because he was stripped for work. And he jumps in. He just jumps in, swims a couple hundred. <laughs> I, I love how the um, the ESV translates it. He threw himself into the sea. Yeah. He just jumps in. Yeah. Just runs off the boat. I mean, this is this is textbook Peter, right? Yeah. They're a couple hundred yards off. Yeah. He's swimming a couple hundred yards. Yeah. Good swimmer, I guess. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the guys hold on to the fish in the net, and they road to shore. I like, where's this guy going? <laughs> yeah. They rode ashore. Yeah. He mu- I mean, I guess he's faster than I don't know. Yeah. He just zealous. So he goes and when they get to the shore, uh Jesus is already there making making breakfast for him. Yeah. Uh he's got a charcoal fire going. He's making breakfast for the disciples. He's got fish laid out, got mm-hmm. bread, and he says, Go get go get some of what you caught, bring it. Um and then Peter goes out and drags the whole net in. Mm-hmm. It's another strange, interesting detail. I guess he's pretty yoked up dude. <laughs> he's got to be a big, strong guy. Yeah. It's interesting that that uh, John even gives the number of fish, yeah. like 153. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's just an interesting detail. What's even more interesting is the weird things people do with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's all the kinds numerolo- of weird. The numerology uh-huh. stuff. Yeah. Right. Probably it's just recorded because, again, that's how many were there. They're, yeah. fi- they're fishermen. They're going to divide up the fish. Mm-hmm. The catch is going to be divided up among the seven people. Yeah. So they count them. Right. Best explanation. Yeah. So 153 large fish. and uh, But the lesson is, I think, found in the imagery. So Jesus is like a master teacher. This is what you have to understand. You're dealing with God in the flesh teaching people things that they need for their whole life. So the lessons Jesus has planned for these men, he's planned them for years, okay? He knows this event is going to take place. And the lesson is found, I think, in what triggers John's memory, Mm -hmm. okay? What triggers John's memory is that catch of fish. When they throw the net on the other side, they pull it in. It's too many. And it takes him back to when Jesus called these men to be his disciples. Yeah. And that's found. You can read about it in Luke 5, 1 through 11. So the, nearly the exact same thing happens. Jesus is preaching. He's teaching. Simon Peter's there. It's Peter, James, and John. They, they have a fishing operation together. And uh, they're close. And so he's like, hey, uh, Simon, uh, son of John, that's his name. He's not a disciple yet. Mm. Let me borrow your boat. So he gets on the boat. There's a big crowd on the shore. He stands up in the boat, and he's preaching. And then, you know, they're tired. They've been working all night. They're kind of fixing their nets and stuff. They haven't caught anything all night, professional fishermen. And he's like, hey, throw the net in, see what happens. You know, you'll catch some fish. Boom. So he's like, ah, we've been we've been doing it all night, but why not? You know, throws it in, catches so many fish that it's gonna drown the boat. It's gonna they're gonna capsize. So another boat comes over and it almost sinks two boats. There's so many fish. Peter yeah. says, you know, you need to leave me, Lord. I, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinful man. And he tells, you know, he tells him, you know, stand up. Uh, from now on, you're going to be a fisher of men. Mm-hmm. So this is when Jesus calls Peter to be his disciple and James and John. And these three men leave their entire life and they follow Jesus immediately to be his disciples. And he tells them the mission they're going to be fishers of men. And that triggers in John's memory. It takes him all the way back. Like, this is their goal in life. 
Their goal in life is to fish for men. They're going to be preachers of the gospel. He had already commissioned them to that in the last resurrection appearance, to go into the world like Jesus was sent into the world. Going to go into the world like he was. That's their mission, to preach, to establish the church, to be church planners, to stand up, to install elders, all of that. All of these things they've never done before. They have no clue about what they're doing. And the lesson is this. It's just super simple. You've got to rely on Jesus for everything, okay? And the picture is you're professional fishermen. You've been at it all night long. You're exhausting all your skill, all your experience, right? All of your talents, and you've come up with nothing. Your labors have produced no fruit. They listen to Jesus one time. They have they bear more fruit in their catch than they can even pull in the boat. And that's the lesson for the disciples. You have to rely on Jesus for everything. It takes you back to John 15, uh, the lesson of... Uh, the vine that Jesus says in John 15, 1 through 5, that he says, I'm the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am, it is, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And so I think that's the lesson that they will remember, uh, that they're to remember, is that uh, apart from Jesus they cannot do anything. So as they go into the world, they cannot rely on their own skills, abilities, knowledge, expertise, and ideas. Right? They won't bear fruit if that's what they're relying on. But if they're relying on Jesus, they can bear fruit. So um, very easy application for us is that we should be relying on Jesus also. Right. Yeah. Um, but let's dig a little bit deeper. Okay. We see, we, we talk a lot about um, just the faulty methods that churches use mm-hmm. um, in evangelism and, and their teaching and preaching, and they're always trying to come up with gimmicks. What 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 does this what's this tell us? How how does this confront our our methodology and how does it how should it correct us? So I think if you're sitting around and you're scheming up, like say you're in a church setting, right? You're sitting around with other pastors and you're thinking, what can we do to grow our church? Mm-hmm. Um, and the answer is anything other than preaching the gospel and evangelizing, mm-hmm. you now have drifted into the realm of relying on your own skill, ideas, knowledge, these things, which there is uh, are going to come up empty. Yeah. Right? They might produce some... I think, I think this happens a lot when you do this. When churches do that, do this type of stuff, I think what they end up doing is they end up producing. Uh, you know, there's the parable of the soils. You may find that you've produced what we know as weeds. Mm-hmm. They sprout up immediately. They look like it, like the seed has taken root, but they haven't. The second any adversity in life comes against them, the sun scorches it. It withers. Mm-hmm. I think that's the kind of stuff you produce when you get into man's methodologies for growing the church. 
right? You might see something that looks like fruit, but, and this is, you know, I'm almost obsessed with the problem of evil, right? <laughs> because it's bad things happen to you in life. No one can escape it. It's yeah. inescapable. When that stuff happens, they wither. And I think it's super important for the disciples to learn this lesson because they are about to enter into a whole world of adversity. Mm-hmm. And they cannot be relying on various methodologies. Yeah. Right. Um, so you see it in, you know, in the world. We've got to have a particular type of music. It's got to be a certain style. Um, our church has to be doing certain type of events uh, or, or our church can't grow. Yeah. And I, th- I think we're coming to a place in the history of the church in America, in the West, where all of that stuff's going to be exposed. Now, you're not saying that we shouldn't put any kind of planning into what we do. No, no, no. It's not I mean, it, 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 looks, it looks pretty obvious that Paul is going to strategic locations to preach the gospel. So he's not... He's he's one he's one guy. Right. So he's not going to all these all these little towns. He goes to like the big metropolis and preaches. Right. And then as the people go from those metropolises, the gospel is going forth. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's he's strategic mm-hmm. in what in where he's going. He doesn't just wherever the ship lands, that's where we <laughs> that's where we go. Right. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't mean that we don't train also because, I mean, we do go and, and get trained. Yeah, yeah. Uh, planning planning is very important. Uh, another way that you might would see it in an obvious fashion is there's a list of elder requirements, right, mm-hmm. in the Bible that take precedence. But when, when churches are looking for a pastor, right, Yeah. Those are there, mm-hmm. but what they a lot of times what they're really looking for is someone who is a very skilled communicator mm. or very charismatic. Yeah, they're a very charismatic leader, right? They're looking for like a Peter type guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bible never tells you to do that, right? At all. Um, but that's that's kind of a man's idea, a thing. Um, dimming lights. I mean, there's one that I could think of that's a, just a super obvious one today. Uh-huh. When it's invitation time, if your church dims the lights to set a mood, you've adopted some type of man's idea. Yeah, and well, I, I was going to bring that up a little bit later, but yeah, you're you're right. Kind of these the ways in which we feel like if we don't do this, um, we're not going to see people come to faith right. in Christ. Um, I've I think we both heard this um, this criticism of our church because we don't. It's it's we're criticized for not having an invitation, mm-hmm. um, and what that means is we don't have an altar call. So at the end of the sermon, we don't have a um, a hymn where if you want to you know trust in Jesus, walk down the aisle and we'll pray with you. Um, and so it's we've been criticized that we don't. Invite people to trust Christ. We right. don't. We don't have people. We we don't give them a, a chance to follow Christ. But if you listen to any of the sermons, there's always an invitation. There's always a. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're here and you never trusted in Christ, do it today. Right. 
um but yeah, we don't but I we mean, don't have we don't have this like you said the dimming the lights uh playing you know music softly playing um you know tugging on those heartstrings right everybody you know bow your head close your eyes uh, if you want to trust in christ raise your hand right right the sermon should always take on the form of the text that's there so mm-hmm. like there's 103 that i did um I dare anyone to listen to all 103. That'd be, that would be a, a long journey mm-hmm. and find one where there's not an invitation. Yeah. But some of them will be framed where the entire sermon itself is an invitation mm-hmm. because that's what the text is. That's right. what, like if that's what Jesus is doing yeah. in the text, the whole sermon will be phrased like that. Mm-hmm. Well, then there might be others like this last one that is really just kind of geared toward disciples Yeah. where the sermon's more practical and it's just, geared toward someone who's already a Christian, yeah. but there's still going to be an invitation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that whole methodology uh, that we can help people, we can help it make it more likely that someone would accept Jesus right. is, is totally faulty. Yeah. yeah. And it's not even that old. <clears throat> it's not even that old. It's from the 18, 1800s right. um, when that, that kind of methodology was starting to be employed. Um, people act like this is how it's always been. Right. It really hasn't always been this way. Uh-huh. Um, not even close, right? Last 150 years is when this, this kind of stuff has been uh-huh. brought into the church. And I would say that's done probably more damage than it's done good. Yes. Um, we're, we're seeing repercussions of the Second Great Awakening and Charles Finney and, and his methodology um, play out even today. Uh-huh. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not producing... Um, lasting fruit, right? Because yeah. it, again, it's not—it's not like you said. It's not relying on Jesus; it's relying on getting people down to the front. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. that's right. Yeah. So there's a whole we could get talk on this for the next hour, <laughs> right? Of the different methodologies that have been brought in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but it's—it's it's so you see this, and um, I, I think that people would say we are relying on Jesus. Uh-huh. What what do you what do you say to that? These people that are using this methodology, but they're still saying we are doing this. We're we're not we're not saying that we're producing this fruit. I mean, how do you respond to that? Um, I think there's not another net. Like uh, there's, Charles Spurgeon has this amazing quote, right? What uh, there's only one net to catch men if you've been made a fisher of men, and that's the gospel. Right. So if you've got other nets in your toolbox and you think that's going to catch a man, you're wrong. Mm. That's it. That's all you got. So if you're throwing out the, hey, we've got, we're giving away a rifle uh, in a raffle. Uh That's my, that's a net I've got. Yeah. Or if you're throwing out, and and preaching can become this, right? Mm -hmm. This is what's important to understand. Like I spent, Three years of my life studying preaching. I think preaching is important. I think expositional preaching is important. But there's an idea today that if preaching is done in such a, a, a manner or a style, I mean, we saw it. Like, we I got advertised to, I got hit with an advertisement to to be taught a master class yeah. by like Christine Kane and some of these other people. Uh, I could learn preaching from these people, and uh, the whole thing about it was preaching is an art form. Yeah. Okay, well, Paul says it's not 
yeah. in the beginning of Corinthians. He actually says seems the to opposite. Go, seems to go out of his way to say it's not. He does. Yeah. He says, he says no, no, it's not at all. Yeah. There, there is an art form during the time of Paul. Mm-hmm. People would pay money to go watch people give speeches. Yeah. And so these, these people who would, these orators, they were like LeBron James, famous. <laughs> That's the only way you can get your mind around it. That's what they would do to these. They go to these big, uh, what do they call those? Uh, amphitheaters to watch people give speeches. Yeah. And who could convince you of some idea? Right. They're superstars. My, how the times have changed. Right. right. <laughs> no one wants to sit around and listen to a speech. Yeah. And Paul says, I did not come to you like that. Mm-hmm. I came to you doing nothing but preaching Christ. And today you can see the same thing. It's still here. It's yeah. sold. It, it's advertised to preachers. Like right. I was, take my master class, learn how to preach. Mm-hmm. Preaching is an art form. It should be a display of beauty. Uh, no. The preaching should be a display of the the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's it. Um, but it can't be if you're relying on all these other things and you're not asking God to work through his word. And the only way that that happens is if you're preaching what God's already said. Mm-hmm. So that I, hopefully that kind of makes sense to people. Yeah, There's a lot of different ways that this comes in. Right. So you've made preaching the net itself. Do you mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. In that way, the colorful, the artistic form of preaching, the, the presentation itself, mm-hmm. well, you've just become what Paul said he's not. Yeah. You become a Roman order. Right. To catch men. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's, that's not a, a, a legitimate net. Mm. That's relying on your skills and abilities. Okay. Doesn't work. Yeah. All right. Uh, you must rely on Jesus. The uh, second lesson that we see here is you must love Jesus. Well, let's back up a second. Oh, we just, oh we just, I thought you were done. We only did preachers. Okay. Right? So how, how do you apply it? Like, if you're, just a, if you're not a preacher, how, would, how do you apply that in your life? Right. Every Christian has to wake up. Yeah. One thing I said is you can't even live in a Christian family faithfully without doing that. Okay. Every person, like in the the father and the mother, they've got to live like that Mm -hmm. or the family won't work. Yeah. It just won't work. You'll become like a worldly family. Mm -hmm. So every Christian, that lesson is for them. Yeah. I mean, that's that's Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, Mm -hmm. right? The builder labors in vain. Mm -hmm. He's talking about building the home. Mm. Um, There's a lot of... um, even Christian self-help books out there that are, you know, they, they've got different methodologies for how you be a good spouse, be a good parent. Right. Um, but if it is not centered around God's word, if it's not centered around the gospel, then um, you are building upon faulty foundations. Right. Yeah. Um, that's why I, I think that um, oh, my, my wife is reading a book right now that's about um, sharing the gospel with your kids when they disobey. Mm. I mean, if you just are telling your kids to be good, um, you're 
building little Pharisees, right? But if you are teaching them um, that they're sinning and that the root of their sin is rebellion against God and the only the only true way that you can please God is by repenting and trusting in Christ, then you're 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 raising your children to be looking to Christ and relying on him instead yeah. of well if I'm because you're kind of turning you're trying to kind of turning God into Santa Claus right when you when you do it this way of well if you if you are good then God is pleased with you but if you disobey then God is not pleased with you uh-huh. instead of the only way that God is pleased with you is is in Christ yeah it's not by your good works yep um it's it's not you know he sees you when you're sleeping he knows when you're awake he knows when you've been bad or good so be good for goodness sake yeah right he's not santa claus uh-huh. um so the you have to be training your your children to know that yes you should be obedient but the only way that you can truly be pleasing god in your obedience is if you're trusting in christ and you're relying on him and if you're if you're responding um to god's grace to you in christ by in turn obeying um, you're showing that you love Jesus by obeying, uh, right? Yeah, good. So that's kind of what you're you're driving at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the same in every. It's a, it's the same for parents also. Yeah, I mean we can we can get so um, discouraged. Uh, I know that I'm not a perfect parent. I know that there are many ways that I fail my my children. There's many ways that I fell my wife and we need to be constantly remembering that our standing before god is not based on our performance it's based solely on jesus right yeah that's right yep very good that's lesson one you must rely on jesus are you ready to go to point two now let's do it okay it's very complicated (laughs) that's right all right, you must love Jesus. There, where did you find that there. in the text, Jay? I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't know where that's yeah. even. <laughs> You're talking about love with that t- that passage. <laughs> Versus what? What did you have? Fifteen through nineteen? Is that is that yeah. what it was? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't quite sure where where you were uh, uh, you were ending that one. Yeah. I knew fifteen, but I, I wasn't sure exactly where you were. Yeah, were ending that one. Nineteen is kind of like it goes seventeen into or nineteen. The, nineteen, and it goes into the next one too. That statement on Peter. Mm-hmm. So that goes on a point. Yeah. So you, you've death. got this. This is the restoration of Peter, yep. right? So yep. this is, this is. Uh, it's interesting that John includes this. No one else includes this. It's a super interesting story. It is. So Peter has denied Jesus three times. Um, he's essentially said, "I'm not this man's disciple. I don't even know who you're talking about." Right. Now, you've got him face to face with Jesus. Again, yeah, and you know, put your put yourself in Peter's shoes. Yeah, uh, yeah, a little, little bit of uncomfortable. <laughs> it had to be a little uncomfortable, even for the other disciples, I would imagine. Yeah, because it's still it's not been dealt with yet, right? Like they ran, yeah, they all ran, but he publicly denied him three times, right? So he's not even a disciple. Yeah, this is a good a good. Um, this wasn't the. I don't think this is the main point of of this part, but it is um, a good illustration of what it looks like to restore relationships. Uh-huh. Um, 
you know, because a lot of times when we get into conflict with someone else, we just let time pass. Right. And then we just act like nothing ever happened. Sure. We, yeah. we just kind of hide it or bury it. But time doesn't, that, that old adage that time heals all wounds. That's not true. It isn't true because like we've talked about, time is not a force. Right. Right? It's, it's just a measurement. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it doesn't do anything. Um, Jesus shows us that the only way that you can have true restoration of a relationship is if you have uh, even those uncomfortable conversations, you have to mm-hmm. actually deal with it. Right. Right. So that's a, it's a good illustration here of, of an example of how we, we should be restoring relationships in our own lives. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the restoration of Peter here. And so there's a lot of uh, interesting little details that you brought out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the when Peter denies Jesus, he does it around a charcoal fire. Yeah. Originally, when I was in that passage, I thought that's an interesting just detail. Mm-hmm. A, he records the kind of fire it is. Yeah. Maybe just to lend he was some there credibility that he saw it with his own eyes. Yeah. Charcoal fire, and then <laughs> this right here. It's like Jesus set this whole event up. Yeah. It's like. Hey, they're out there fishing. Uh, Jesus is preparing for something. He's preparing <laughs> for this inner encounter with the disciples. In we Jesus. we don't know the answer to this, but do you, I mean, <laughs> you've got this charcoal fire. Jesus has has um, you know prepared this. There's fish there already. Um, what do you see? You see Jesus going and getting charcoal and and bringing it here, or is, I think so. Or is he just you know? I mean, in his divinity, is he just creating? <laughs> a charcoal fire. I, I I don't know either one. I mean, is Jesus going fishing? Is he? Did he go to? I don't know. I think I think the point is that it's a charcoal fire. Yeah, because you know it's a dramatic deal. Like Peter denies Jesus around a charcoal fire. Yeah. The third time he does it, the rooster crows, and he's standing there at that fire, and he makes eye contact with Jesus. Yeah. Super dramatic. Right. And it. Here he is. He's back around a charcoal fire. I mean, you cannot. <laughs> yeah. Like, I think Jesus did it to set the stage. Mm-hmm. There's a charcoal fire. He's sitting there with Jesus, yeah. gazing at him again. Right. Um, Jesus made a charcoal fire. It seems. It seems interesting, also, that this is a mill. Right. We we don't think about this that much because of our culture, but I mean, in the in the you know the ancient Near East, a mill was more of an intimate setting <clears throat> yeah, for him to invite them over to share a meal with him. I think that's you know, a neat detail too. I mean, just, Jesus is serving his disciples still. Yeah. He's, he's hospitable. Right. We have a hospitable God. Mm. Just that's, but that's what he does with us every day. We never think about it. Right. You gave, you got breakfast today cause you opened your cupboard up. Mm-hmm. But really Jesus made you breakfast and he literally <laughs> makes it for him here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, charcoal fire. Is there is is there any parallel between this and the feeding of the five thousand? I, I, I mean, he know. gives them fish and bread. He does. Yeah. Um. I think it just sets the stage, really, for what he wants to get at with Peter. Yeah. So, I think that's the main the main idea behind it. Okay. Um. And he calls him Simon, son of John, mm-hmm. which is his name before he's a disciple. There's, I mean, that there's two. 
Yeah. I think two things Jesus has done that's really going to get him to come, because Peter has to come to with the full grips with what he's done, I think, before he can find forgiveness. Right. Um, that's, that's just the way it is. It, it seems harsh to do three times. He asked him the question three times. Yeah. And the third time he's really grieved. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people, like, they really cannot find that reconciliation and that forgiveness until they've actually come to full grips with it. Yeah. And Jesus knows what Peter needs. Yeah. And he denied Jesus three times. So that's the Yeah, that's right. why he does it three mm-hmm. times, yeah. to mirror the three times right. he denied, yeah. which it makes it sting. Mm-hmm. People today would... I feel like Christians today would want to rebuke Jesus for this. Yeah. Like, you set up a charcoal fire? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, they would be like, that's rude. Yeah. But Jesus knows what Peter needs to come mm-hmm. to real repentance. Right. And uh, so he sets this whole thing up. Yeah. And he asks him three times, do, uh, Peter, do you love me? And three times he says, you know that I love you. Mm-hmm. The last time he says, you know all things, you know that I love you. And then Jesus tells him, well, if you love me, then feed my sheep or feed my lambs or tend to my sheep. Mm-hmm. So three times he tells him, you love me, do this. So, agape, agape. Right. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Probably. Okay. I mean, it prob- probably be good because it's it's so it's such a common um, understanding of it, I think. Well, what's interesting, it's a mo- I think it's more of a modern understanding because as I went back in time, mm-hmm. um, older commentators don't make much of a deal about it. Mm. It's more more newer ones. Like okay. More modern, modern okay. guys. Yeah. Um, but then you have more other modern guys like D.A. Carson who says people have made too much of a deal about this. Okay, so what we're talking about is that Jesus says, do you love me? Do you agape yeah. me and peter responds with i love you phileo yeah so two different two different kinds of love two different greek words so agape is the strong it's it's the strongest form of love yeah, there's four there are four words for love mm-hmm. that have been used in uh in greek but during this time they're kind of being replaced mm-hmm. that's another deal they're, they're all being replaced by agape yeah kind of at the time of john's writing okay uh, or, or phileo is being replaced with agape. So uh, which one shall we start with? Storge. Storge is love that you just have. It's like a natural it's love. familial. Famili- yeah. Right. You have a natural love for your children. Mm-hmm. They have a natural love for their parents. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's that kind of love. Yeah. Um, then there's... Um, eros. Yeah. Ero- eros or eros. Yeah. It's... Uh, it's like the type of love you feel when you fall in love. It's where we get our word for erotic. Yeah. Um, and there, I think people who fall in love with their spouse, mm-hmm. they can say honestly say, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't feel that every day for my spouse now. <laughs> right? Yeah. You don't live in that perpetual state with uh-huh, heads in the clouds right. for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's that. Speak for yourself, Jay Jones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you've got... Um, What's next? Phileo. Phileo. Yep. Yeah. It's where we get the word Philadelphia from. Yeah. Brotherly love. Brotherly love. It's mm-hmm. a love you'd feel like oh, if you've ever been on a sports team or in the military, mm-hmm. camaraderie. Right. Brotherly love. And then you've got agape, which 
people who kind of adopt this view that there's really something here between the two words, it, they say this is the type of love that God feels toward, yeah. or God shows toward people. Mm-hmm. It's totally not self-serving, sacrificial, ultimate love, right? Uh, a love of total commitment to the other. Yeah, They say that's how God loves. What's, so, <laughs> what's interesting is you go into the Septuagint and go back to... Um, I know what you're going to you know, say. Uh, second, Tam- second Samuel. Tamar? Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When, um, when David's son um, loves Tamar, his uh-huh. half-sister, yeah. he agapes her. Right. And what does he do right after he agape? Yeah. He rapes her, right? Yeah. So it throws a little bit of a it does. <laughs> a wrench in there. Yeah, there's several right. examples it's, of it. It's a strong um, it's a strong it's a strong love. Demas agape this world. Okay. Yeah. That's what the text says. Yeah. So it it, it it's the the word we know doesn't always mean the type of love God has. Right. And and in John you see that. So mm-hmm. the father loves the son. That's said several times in John's gospel. Sometimes it's agape, sometimes it's phileo. Okay. Uh, Jesus loves Lazarus. D- two different words are used there, agape okay. and phileo. Okay. So you, there is sometimes a subtle nuance in these syn- in synonyms that are used, but that's not the main point. Yeah. Like Jesus isn't trying to get Peter to go from one level of love to the next, yeah. which is how it's often presented. I like what you... Uh... What you said, that they probably weren't sitting around speaking in Greek anyway. Right. Yeah, that one, I think, is what kind of really hit it for me. Yeah. That this isn't it. Right. Because they're speaking Aramaic to, mm-hmm. each, other, to each other, pro- yeah. probably. So John is probably just, what, switching up the word for... Stylistic reasons. Yeah, to avoid yeah. the repetition of saying the same word. Yeah. So I mean, he does the same thing when he says, feed my lambs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then over here he says, tend. Then he says, feed. He uses different words each okay. time. Yeah, shifts it up. Okay, don't know. I mean, the, so we don't we don't do the same thing with that part, yeah. part of it. Right. Know, this big lesson. Mm-hmm. So, and it's always weird to to go against people that are like your heroes. <laughs> yeah, especially when people holding Bibles in the pew have these notes uh-huh, right. written by these people, and it says that. Yeah. But I really do think anybody that just has a Bible in English can mm-hmm. pick it up and get the lesson. Yeah, the lesson that Jesus is giving is Peter. Ha- Peter needs to love Jesus. Yeah, but in order for him to do that, he needs to, he needs uh, to correct his understanding mm. about what love is. Yeah, Peter. Peter has a the, a great zeal, right? He's a zealous person. So Peter's understanding of love prior to this moment is. Well, yeah, I love Jesus more than everybody. I'm willing to die for Jesus. Remember that? Yeah. That's what he says. Though they'll all fall away, I'll never fall away. And so Jesus starts this conversation by going, Do you love me more than these? These all these disciples. And that's how we know what Jesus is hitting at. The way he the question he asks, and then what Jesus says at the end. If you love me, feed, tend, feed. Right? take care of my people. That's what Jesus tells him. So love is not what like Peter's prone to thinking, like a lot of people are prone to thinking. My, If I love Jesus, I'll have this great feeling for him. Mm-hmm. I'm zealous for him. I have this great passion. 
Jesus corrects that and says, if you love me, you'll do something. That's the lesson. Okay. I think it couldn't be more clear. I mean, I'm open for correction. What do you think? I got nothing, nothing right now. <laughs> you I, got nothing I, on that? I don't have anything other than what you're, yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. So if you love me, Peter, do you love me? You know I love you. We'll yeah. take care of my, take care of my sheep. Yeah. And so it's an important lesson to know. Mm-hmm. I think it's especially important lesson to understand that love is more about faithfulness and obedience and perseverance mm-hmm. than it is a feeling. Yeah. Right. Because put yourself in, this lesson is not just for Peter's, for all the disciples that are watching. They're going to go into a world, and I promise you, 90% of the time, they're going to be suffering, Mm -hmm. right? They're not going to be going around going, oh, I just love life today. (laughs) Yeah. My love for Jesus is so zealous I just love getting whipped in the back, mm-hmm. right? Right. It looks more like just faithful, uh, uh, a balanced, faithful obedience, a, a ability to persevere through difficult and painful things. Yeah. Because they actually love him, they're going to obey and persevere through that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If they're just relying on their feelings, they're done. Yeah. You're done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's um, a good point for us also because, um, I mean, going back to how feelings are often manipulated in church services uh-huh. with the, the lights dimmed and, you know, the music softly playing and, um, you know, the come to Jesus moment, it's, it's usually based on those emotions. Right. Right. Even the worship service. You know, they'll, they'll lower the lights and, you know, it's, it's all emotional. Um, but that's not the Christian life. Uh-huh. Right? The Christian life doesn't always feel like that. Um, in fact, it, it doesn't feel like that maybe even for the majority of the time um, because we live in the real world and our emotions can go up here and they can come down here and it's it's all over the place i think uh i think it was c.s lewis that said something about you know if you trust your emotions it it could be based on what you ate (laughs) you know for dinner (laughs) right uh because your emotions can go all over the place so we can't base everything upon how we're feeling from moment to moment yeah I think that's uh, that's a big reason why there's there's so much divorce even in the church is because people are basing everything off of Hallmark movies. Mm. This this feeling of being in love, and that feeling's not there all the time. Right. Um, sometimes you wake up and you don't you don't feel head over heels in love with your spouse, but you still love them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not based primarily upon an emotion uh-huh. um it's it's something deeper than that more abiding than that it's uh it's a devotion to this person no matter how i feel i'm right i'm going to be faithful to you right uh, and that's the same thing that we should have with jesus uh, I, I think that maybe sometimes people think that um being a pastor means that you always wake up on monday morning 
um, just dying to read your Bible uh-huh. and that it's, it just comes easy to you. I don't know about you, but sometimes it's hard. Right. <laughs> sometimes I sit down and I open up my Bible and it's what's going on on Facebook. Right. right? <laughs> because the emotions, the emotions aren't always there, uh-huh. uh, but you have to be faithful and obedient despite how you feel. Right. Yeah. Your emotions can catch up. Right. Later. Um, yeah. Mutual friend of ours. Um, he, he said at one of the counseling conferences I was at that emotions make terrible leaders, but they make excellent followers. That's good. And if you, if you follow your emotions, you're going to be all over the place. You're going to find yourself all over the place. But if you, if you live based upon the objective reality of God's word, your emotions can catch up. Yeah. Right. And so I I find that not not every morning I I want to read my Bible. Uh-huh. Like emotionally. But I find that when I start reading, my emotions catch up. Mhm. Like eventually I get to the place where I don't want to stop. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the this lesson for Peter is important. Jesus is about to tell him how he's going to die. All right. If follow me, Peter, mm-hmm. follow me. And when you're old, someone's going to stretch your stretch you out, and you're going to go where you don't want to go. It's a uh, imagery of the crucifixion. It's a little like an idiom that yeah. was in usage for your hands to be stretched out. And then John tells you he told him this to tell him what how he was going to die mm-hmm. by what type of death he would glorify him. Um, he he has to learn this lesson for Peter to do the task. That God has ordained for his life and the other disciples, this lesson's got to be learned. But I started the sermon out by saying, you can't learn some lessons until the right circumstances. By that, I, I don't mean like chance circumstances. I mean God-ordained circumstances have unfolded in your life, right? Peter's not ready to learn this lesson about what love really is and what obedience looks like until he falls, until he's denied out of his out of his passion and zeal, he's made a fool of himself. Yeah, I'll never betray you. I'll die for you. They'll all fall away. I never will. So proud, so so uh, boastful, so sure that his emotions will lead him through, and then he has an utter failure. Yeah, he's not ready to learn the lesson until this. And I think Jesus has planned this whole thing for Peter, right from the time he called him on the boat. Jesus has been like it's almost like we're being drawn along this like path. I think is what it is. Like God has decreed for us the charcoal. Like Jesus doesn't go, oh, I'll make a charcoal fire. That'd be a good impact. Like I, th- I think he has planned this stuff. He knows what Peter needs. He gets him to where he can hear it. He prepares the whole thing so the lesson can have its full impact. Yeah. And now he's ready to hear the lesson. And he gets the lesson. It's transformative in his life. We have a term in the army. I'll, I'll say it. It's called embrace the suck. Okay. All right. It's when you're like out in the field. It's been raining for you know ten days straight, and you're all of your socks. You have a bazillion pairs of socks. They're all wet. You're just wet head to toe. You're just in the mud and cold. Embrace the suck. All right. When you learn to do that, then you can live. Um, these disciples' lives are literally learning to do that, mm-hmm. I, th- I think. 
Of course, there's joy in following Christ. I mean, these guys sing in prison for crying out loud, right? Right. <laughs> but he's going to go and live the rest of his life. I don't know how long it took, knowing he's going to be crucified. Yeah. He's got to embrace that life, and he has to. He, he had to learn this lesson. What does love really look like? It doesn't look like the Peter that was before. It looks like somebody who will uh, persevere and just be faithful, even when there's no earthly happiness or pleasures or zeal or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to go through that. Yeah, and I think that the the way that we can, because um, I mean, like you said, it's it's <laughs> they're going to go through hardships. We're going to go through hardships too. Right. Um, we can have, this isn't to say that the Christian life is one of just, you know, um, resignation and, and um, just down all the time. Like you can have real joy and your emotions can be on fire. We, we need people like that. But... Um, well, I think, the, I think everyone goes through periods of yeah. that. Like you will have great periods of, of incredible joy and happiness in right. life. Yeah. And then something will happen. Yeah. Like you'll get a cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. But you can still have that joy, but it's yeah. not based upon your circumstances. It's based on you have a savior just like Peter has. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the same Jesus that is sitting here, he's restoring Peter. We, we don't want to lose sight of what Jesus is doing. Right. I mean, he, he is, this conversation is moving towards a, a specific goal. Jesus is bringing Peter back. Right. I mean, he does that <clears throat> out of love and grace for Peter. Yep. Um, Peter can be restored because this Jesus that's talking to him has made atonement for him right. three days ago. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we can have that joy. We can have that peace and that comfort and the, 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 the happiness that we can feel. It's based on this objective reality that there is a living Savior who loves us. Right. And you see that the lesson is learned. Uh, in Acts, the yeah. Holy Spirit comes, and you see that he's like, I'm going to preach mm-hmm. no matter what, yeah, because I've got to do what, what I've been called to do. Right. It doesn't matter what you say. Yeah. So, whereas before, he's defi- he definitely would not have done that. Yeah, and what's amazing is after they are beaten and told, don't, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore, they go away rejoicing because they were counted worthy to suffer. Yeah. Right, because of of this, because right. they know he's he's alive, he loves us, and he's he has uh, he's atoned for us, mm-hmm. and he suffered for us. Yeah, we're willing to suffer for him, and and we'll be glad to do it. Yeah, you know, and, and so for us to break it down on a practical level, I mean, we're not all like Jesus hasn't called all of us to like lead in mm-hmm. the church, like Peter. His role is to be an elder, pastor, church planner, yeah. and. That's what he did. Um, but we have been called, each person has been called to live faithfully. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. Right? If we love Jesus, we wake up and we love Jesus. And like you said, sometimes, it, man, it's there. Like doing evangelism is so easy. Sometimes it's not. Yeah. And we just, we are obedient to, to wherever God's called us whatever our ministry in life is, and we just obey him uh, because we love him. 
knowing that he is worth all everything that we have, and then eventually the feelings catch up. Yeah. So. Yep. All right, you ready to move to the last one? Sure. You, uh, you, you, uh, you got me with this one. I got you with that well, one. Well, I was, I was expecting, I was expecting it to be something else, and you, you threw me for a. What do you think it was going to be? I thought it was going to be you must follow Jesus. Okay. I got the follow one kind of tied in there with the uh, the love one. Okay. Kind of go hand in hand. Okay. If you love me, you'll do with this and he says follow me yeah so that's that's tied up in it okay yeah all right so this last one is you must take ownership of your life yep so contrary to what stephen furtick says he calls <laughs> john a creeper did you see that no <laughs> God. good grief i should have brought that clip up you should have i would have enjoyed watching he calls that. john a creeper okay <laughs> Were you watching Stephen Furtick sermons to prepare for yours? Like, let's see. Here's John Calvin over here, and here's D.A. Carson. Let's see what Stephen Furtick has to say. So something of this nature of this conversation happened. I'm listening to this, uh-huh. and uh, I'm on Twitter. Drake goes, who is that? Stephen Furtick? I was like, yeah. How'd you know? You recognize his voice? He said, nah. It's just ridiculous what he said. <laughs> you just know because it's, it's uh, so stupid yeah it's so like uh i don't even know it's juvenile it is yeah yeah he tries to make these funny jokes like every second right he calls john a creeper okay tells <laughs> tell, he, you know he tells you yeah i'm the disciple that jesus loved and here the here he is creeping on uh-huh. peter and jesus yeah so jesus says follow me they get up from the fire peter and jesus are talking they're uh-huh. walking walking yeah john gets up to follow and Peter turns around. Jesus has told Peter how he's going to die. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to be crucified yeah. sometime. He says, what about this guy? <laughs> right. How's he going to die? Yeah. How, what about this man? Yeah. And Jesus says to him, if it's my will that he remains until I come, what is that to you? Mm-hmm. You follow me. Yeah. Exclamation point. Right. You follow me. There's no exclamation points in, in Greek, Jay. Yeah. Well, there you go. You can see the impact of it. Right. It's got a little... It's forceful. Yes. What is that to you? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's not usually in the uh, pastoral uh, books on leadership. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Doesn't it just make you think that like... Uh, if if you only develop your view of Jesus based off of books that people have written, you're not going to get a picture of him. You know what I mean? He's you got to take him for for who he is. Right. Like Peter is a alpha, mm-hmm. and Jesus, Jesus talks to Peter like he needs to hear it. Yeah. Right. If it's my will that he remains till I come, what's that to you? Yeah translation it's none of your business <laughs> right what happens what my what my yeah what his destiny is that i've ordained for him yeah and that's the lesson you must take ownership of your life mm. your life is unique God, uh, jesus has a has a plan for your life <laughs> could we we could write a book jesus has a plan for your life make it about peter <laughs> <laughs> oh what a wonderful plan you get crucified right but he's got a plan for everyone, and the plan, no, none of the two plans are the same, and that, I think that's mm-hmm. the point. 
Peter is like worried about some other disciple. Yeah. And he needs to be focused on himself. So let's let's um <clears throat> let's stop and say what this doesn't mean. Mm-hmm. Because I think that we can hear you say that and we can say, well, that means that we just need to not worry about what other people are doing at all. Right. And that would that would put an end to our free for all Fridays. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in the context, John is another disciple. Uh-huh. So he's not saying don't worry about John at all. Uh-huh. So if John starts to go off the rails, right. just mind your own business and don't worry about what John's doing because that would be contrary to <laughs> things that are going on in the New Testament. Uh-huh. Um, so this doesn't mean don't get involved in other people's lives. Don't worry if you see your brother sinning. It doesn't mean don't judge. Uh-huh. Don't watch out for false teachers or yeah. correct false teaching. It doesn't mean any of that. Mm-hmm. right? It just means... Like, if pe- if people have a ministry, um, you don't need to worry about it. Like, if they're successful yeah. or more successful than you, right, or anything like that, mm-hmm. you mind your own business. Yeah. Right? Maybe here's an example to get the the nuance. Ninety nine point nine percent of the of the pastors, like we don't ever even talk about. Right, like there are pastors all over the place around here. Yeah, we we may not even agree with how they teach, um, how they do church, but we're not we're not free for all Fridaying all these guys, <laughs> right? We don't. I mean, we're minding our own business. Yeah, um, it's not till somebody steps outside of the bounds, mm-hmm. right? Um, something un it's unorthodox. Yeah, something that could be harmful to the church in in general, or even harmful because our people are exposed to all of this mm-hmm. because of electronics. Right. So we have to address some things. Yeah. Uh, but 99% of the stuff we don't even address. Yeah. Right? If if God wants to prosper that guy's ministry, right? It's not how I would do ministry. But if God prospers that guy's ministry, that's between him and God. Well, I think it's, it's also freeing in the sense of guys that we would agree with mm-hmm. and their ministry, you know, blows up right. and they, they become, um, you know, super famous. Right. You know, whatever we would say about celebrity pastors. Sure. I mean, some guys just get thrust into the spotlight. Uh-huh. Um, not because they're pursuing it, but it just happens. Right. Um, you can look at your own ministry and be like, what am I doing wrong? Like, uh-huh. why? Like, why? Why are we not being, you know, as exposed as this other guy it's really freeing to know that i think a way to understand this is um jesus saying to peter be faithful where you're put don't worry don't worry about john you be faithful where where i put you right and i think that's freeing for for pastors but also just for just regular christians i mean i think of i think of um i think of my wife um, my wife, she is not going to be in the spotlight. She's a stay-at-home mom. She homeschools. Um, she teaches children's Sunday school class. She's not going to. There's no one that's going to be asking her for her autograph. You know, when she's out, you know, shopping. Right. But she's super faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I, I think that she's going to be honored for that um, in eternity. Uh-huh. And I, I think of you know many people that are like that. They're just they're just regular people, right? And they're not you know they're not ever going to be famous. They're never going to be a household name, but they're being faithful in the place where they've been put. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I think that's kind of what is going on here is uh-huh. Peter's word, you know, that's how I'm going to die. What about this guy? What, you know, what's going to happen to him? And Jesus is saying, you follow me. Right. Don't, don't worry about how John follows me. You follow me. Right. Right. That's it. You have, no one else can live your life. Right. And that, that's important to think about too, that God has a plan for your life and he did it on purpose. <laughs> like you're not an accident. Um, there are three little lessons I, I snagged out of here. Uh, Jesus knows the path of each of, of his disciples. Mm-hmm. He knows what's going to happen to Peter. He knows what's going to happen to John. He knows what's going to happen to you. Yeah. That should be comforting. But even beyond that, a bigger comfort is that Jesus has ordained all of their lives. Yeah. Um, this is a huge, this is a huge evidence of his divinity. Uh-huh. here right like if one of us were to say if i will that this person right live <laughs> until i come right you'd say this guy's a psycho right <laughs> this guy's insane but jesus can say if it's my will that he remain until i come what's that to you uh-huh. I mean, that's his that's his deity right um, yeah. he he actually can and does ordain yeah, all the, of the your life, days. right? Uh, all of your days. So he has a will for John's life. Mm-hmm. Peter's, he knows he's decreed he's going to die at some point in the future by crucifixion. Jesus knows that time. He's ordained it. He says, if I will that he live forever. He's not saying he does. He's just saying he's got a will. Mm-hmm. He's not telling Peter what it is or John, apparently. Um, but he has a, he has willed a specific life for John. Yeah. And a specific end, right? Um, so he's decreed all of our days, yeah. And that's pretty amazing to think about, yeah. That you're alive during the time period you are, because that's when he wanted you to be alive, right? Yeah, we we don't think about that enough. I think like we live at a particular time in a particular place. We were born to the parents that God ordained for us to have. We have the siblings God ordained for us to have. All, all of this is by God's good, wise design. And I think that should give people a lot of comfort, and it should help them to be faithful where they are when yeah. they know that they are where they are um, because that's God's decree for their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we also can take away by this statement about Peter's um in verse 19, the kind of death he was to glorify God. Mm. We, we we should remember that uh, all of us eventually are going to die. Our days are going to run out. But if we're faithful to Jesus to the end, even our death will bring glory to God. Mm. Our life and our death, it's yeah. all to to God's glory. Yeah. So I like how John has to correct this uh, this little rumor, I guess, that's sprung up around him that he's not going to die. That's pretty funny. I thought it was funny. Yeah. A, a rumor began to circulate that John's going to live forever. <laughs> Who is it? Is it the Mormons that think that John is still alive? I don't know. Larry, do you know? No, I 
there's there is some there's some um cult that believes that john is still alive that okay. that does mean that he wasn't going to die uh, i see but he says no, he's around he's said. around there somewhere he he's said, like the, you know he's like the highlander <laughs> <laughs> yeah is he out there <laughs> all right um jesus hasn't returned yet so uh-huh. he's still out roaming right <laughs> uh yeah he just says he just said if right <laughs> so important yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, word to make there. So, so that's funny that that there was this rumor. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I just thought it was very. Uh, these final lessons for the disciples, they really transcend time. They apply to all of us. Right. Uh, they're very practical. Yeah. It's like you could wake up every day and even make a checklist. As soon as you wake up uh, today, I need to rely on Jesus to live. And uh, as I live, I'm going to love Jesus today. Um, even if I don't have all the passion and feelings, I'm just going to love him, be faithful to him, mm-hmm. and I'm going to focus on myself. Yeah, like this is my life; no one can live it for me. I'm going to take ownership of it. Yeah, that's three simple lessons. Right. Yep. And uh, I think the book ends with. Um, I mean, I love this verse. This is such a great way for John to end his. Yeah. His gospel, and it um, should it should just end with us praising this this savior that john has presented to us in his gospel that there are many other things that jesus did were every one of them to be written i suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written yeah and this is this is our savior this is our god mm-hmm. and um he has he has done great things mm-hmm. um in his works he's multiplied his his saving works and um if we're trusting in him, if we're believing on him, as this is John's, this is John's point, then we'll spend eternity um, praising him and growing to know this this God more. Yeah, that's right. right. That's it, man. So what's next? Uh, I think I'm gonna do Habakkuk next. Habakkuk. Yep. All right. Yep. Figure that's that. a good one, considering the state of affairs. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Excited about that. I, I expect some may get banned from uh, Facebook and YouTube, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. All right. Yeah, as we uh, elaborate okay. on the cultural commentary. Uh-huh. Who knows? Okay. All right. Well, we're, uh, we're going to take a break. Um, some of the other elders are going to uh, be preaching through December, uh-huh. and then we'll pick up with Hebrews in January, Lord willing. Yep. And uh, we'll, we'll start back up in January. Back in Hebrews. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, um, hopefully this has been beneficial for you. Go back and uh, listen to the sermon. Go back and listen to all 103, right, Jay? (laughs) That won't take very long. Yeah, they got time. Yeah. (laughs) They got a few weeks. (laughs) Hopefully this this has been um, edifying for you as as Jay has been going through the Gospel of John. Hopefully this podcast has been helpful for you. We hope that um, you'll like, subscribe, share, um, get the word out. And uh, we wish that you have a very Merry Christmas. We'll see you next year. And uh, we hope in the meantime that you will become more and more conformed to Christ.